Huddle up. I cannot wait. It's time for the Brian Gregory Show. Look out! USF men's basketball coach Brian Gregory joins play-by-play man Jim Lighthall for a look at what's going on with the Bulls. Always great to spend time with you on the illustrious worldwide radio show. Now with BG, here's Jim. Welcome into another edition of the Brian Gregory Show as we are in the month of March, which means the madness has officially begun. Jim Lighthall along with the head coach Brian Gregory himself. Uh, coach, we sit and do this in Fort Worth, Texas as you're getting ready to take on UCF in the American Conference Championship. Uh, it's been a wild conference tournament week already, uh, but cue the music, roll the highlight reels. It's March Madness is officially here. You get excited during this time of the year. Everybody wipes the slate clean. Some teams have to win four games. Some teams have to win three. But you can't lose or you're done. You know what I mean? And and it's an exciting time. And it's a, a time to bring that excitement and to bring the passion and to bring the intensity and to try to play your best 40 minutes of basketball that you can play. And if you do, you get to play the next day. You know, and, and uh, it's one of the great things with – with college basketball in some in some aspects obviously even more so than the NCAA tournament cuz everybody gets to be part of this you know for the most part most leagues there's a a few that don't have every team in it which makes no sense at all but uh that's for a later show um so and and we have a great venue here in, in Texas and and uh had a really good first game last year and was a heck of a thriller in game number two. So we're looking to build on that and maybe stay a few more days. Well, you mentioned playing a full 40 minutes, and this week we saw Chattanooga make one from just inside the half-court line, which I probably watched that highlight about 40 times. Uh, We saw the Navy women bank one in as an eight seed to knock off a top seed in their league. Uh, You have to play to the buzzer because – Memories can be made at the buzzer. Yeah, you know, and 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 again, it's um, there, there's so much at at stake, and the guys know it. Handling your emotions during the during the game, and and you know, watching some of the games earlier and and over the last couple of days, you know, the the people are right. A lot of times in these first round games, it's the it's the team that is has the best focus, can handle those emotions early, uh, has a you know, playing for a really sense of a maybe even a bigger purpose usually ends up playing well and winning those games. Uh, it seems to me, and just through the years, those higher seeds that aren't sure if they're in, I mean, the pressure on them to perform and to win, to get in. I mean, everybody wants to win and get in. But when you're the favorite and you got that one next to your name and if you don't win the thing, you don't go, the pressure's just got to be enormous. Yeah, you know, and, and again, it, it, you know, it, in the big picture, there, there's some of that that there's just an unfairness about it, to be honest with you. Because what, what, what people just don't understand is 68 teams. There's 360 teams. To make the NCAA tournament, when you take away the automatic qualifiers, when you take away the bids that are more or less pinpointed for the Power Five, there's about 10 spots available, eight, six spots available those other leagues if they don't win the tournament and they could have won every game in the regular season they ain't going Mm. they're just not not going and so the like you said the pressure on that to perform where over a four-day period you can't have a bad 10-minute span you know because it could cost you the buzzer beater the half court shot by Chattanooga you know what I mean Furman 
Those players now, those players and coaches, they will never forget that for the rest of their lives, for the rest of their lives. And uh, it's hard. It's really hard. And Furman had a heck of a year. And as a team that if they played that well, depending on who they matched up with, could win a first-round game in the NCAA tournament. So it is challenging, but that's also why it makes it so exciting. One more question on this, and then we'll move on. Uh, I remember a few years ago, and we might have talked about this before, but in the Big East tournament, there was one year where I think all of the four teams that had first-round buys lost on day two, and there was a big push by the by the big coaches in the Big East, the Bayheims, the Calhouns, saying it's unfair for us because these other teams have already played a game inside the garden. They're used to the place. Do you buy stock in that? Because you play on day one, and there are teams that don't play on day one. Yeah, I, I would say a little bit more for another reason, though. Not because they, they played there and all that stuff. They're feeling really good about themselves. They already won a game. So they've already got this confidence heading into game two. They're already used to getting up and doing the pregame meal. But they've won, so they're feeling good. And it's not like in the regular season where if you win a game – you got to wait three days and then play again. You're playing within 24 hours of that that great feeling. And that second day of playing, there's no fatigue that comes into play. So I always think that the team that wins on day one, if they play on day two against a team who hasn't played yet, has a huge advantage. All right, so now your team plays on Thursday. You play Thursday night. Uh, where is this team right now, in your opinion, as you get ready to play essentially for a national championship? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think the, the, the you got to be able to take a step back and look at these last three and a half weeks where in a nine-game stretch, we played pretty good basketball for seven out of those nine games. Um, in that stretch was the six games in 13 days, which is was, was difficult, no doubt about it. Um, and then we, you know, we played very well at Cincinnati. Played well against Memphis. Be honest, just not good enough to beat them on that particular night. Um, foul trouble really hurt us in that one. And then just had no no gas in the tank on on Sunday. To be honest with you, watching the film started out well, up uh, tie game with ten minutes to go in the game, and 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 that was disappointing. That was disappointing. Um, but as I told our guys, you, you get to restart again. There should be excitement about playing in the league tournament, and it should only add to that excitement about who our opponent is. You know what I mean? And, and again, we've talked about this. Uh, this game, different than the war and I, four home or away, doesn't matter. It's still against Central Florida. So we got to make sure that you know we have an emotional investment in addition to the physical and, and mental investment that we need to have in this first game. You mentioned the six games in 13 days. You kind of had to worry about load management a little bit over that stretch because there were so many games crammed in. Now you could potentially have four games in four days. You can't worry about load management because if you do, you're probably going home. Yeah, you you, you just got to go. You know, the, my my biggest concern hadn't you know in those six games, you know, was we played four and a half of them without Jameer. You know, he's still not 100. percent You could see it. He's He's, he, he, you can't, again, in the middle of the season, you can't miss two full weeks of practice and 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 be right back on track. Javon tweaked his leg a little bit in the Memphis game, so he was slowed up on Sunday. 
those guys got to be ready to go. You know, they got to be ready to go. And as you said, um, you can't worry about uh, we got might be, have to play tomorrow. You got to throw everything you got right now. Every special play that we have in our arsenal, instead of saving them for the last five minutes, it could be an after-time outplay in the first half. We got to do whatever we can to, to play our best basketball in advance. We talked about so many different players on this show throughout the course of the year, uh, and, and in particular over the last few weeks, Russell Chiwa, Corey Walker Jr. playing their best basketball. I'm, I'm going to lump a guy in that's kind of been a hybrid for you, it seems like, all year long, Sam Hines Jr., uh, what he's done for you on the defensive end. He's been asked to guard seven-footers. He's been asked to guard guys that are 6'2 and 6'3. And now his scoring has started to pick up, which it did again in the regular season finale against Temple. Uh, he's technically a freshman. Although he's a transfer, he's technically a freshman. Right. But he's, he's the guy's a winner. He's a state champion, and he and he played very well at Denver last year. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I think you're starting to see him kind of break through a little bit. So with that, how important the spring and summer becomes for for him because he's really um, in, in in college basketball today a really important piece of great teams. Um, a guy that can guard four positions, a guy that can score in the open court, can offensive rebound, which is an area I think we need him to improve in, um, but can make plays. Uh, four other people can attack the basket. You know, obviously the the one aspect that is is improved is that mid range shooting, uh, and now he, he needs another year to have that advance further out. He shot in the in low sixties, high fifties from the free throw line last year. He's shooting in the high seventies for us right now. He's just one of those kids that works at his game. It's important to him, so he's only going to get better. And he's just one of those guys that. He's going to be hard to keep off the court in the future for sure. I know throughout the course of the season you want to see guys get better from from day one to the end of the season. I certainly think he falls into that category. Well, I think, you know, and give our staff credit, but give our guys credit. If you take a look, you know, obviously we pride ourselves on number one most important thing is player development. Russell, Corey, and Sam have all dramatic, I mean visibly dramatic improvements from game one to game 30 you know what I mean they're, they're just and and you don't always see that you don't always see that and uh but Sam definitely falls into that category where he's a guy that has really really improved against a, you know a much higher level of competition that he faced last year I think, uh, and he's a transfer from Denver, as I mentioned. He was a 10-point-per-game guy last year at Denver. They had a coaching change, which is why he ended up in the portal. I think he's hard to label, and and people love to label players like this guy does this or does that. I, I think if you're going to put a label on him, he's kind of an old-school guy. He, he's not in love with the three. He's not a high-flying dunker guy. He's just a glue guy that uh, is old-school. Yeah, you know, and I, and I think um... – you know, one of the biggest challenges from young for young guys is to be comfortable who they are at this particular point. Bloom where you're planted right now, and then that growth continues after that. And and, and it's a challenge. You know, it's a challenge. But he is gonna you know, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, at just at six six, as he continues to grow in, in, in some skill stuff, is gonna be kind of a do it all guy now that could be 
you know, first team all league or before it's all said and done, where he's averaging 15 points a game and eight rebounds and five assists and just one of those guys that you, you, you definitely win with. And he comes from a great basketball family too, so he knows the game. Yeah, you know, and uh, dad was a very good player at South Alabama, played overseas professionally, um, you know, and, and, and Sam carries that with him. You know, I think there's a great amount of pride in that. Well, looking forward to a great performance out of Sam here in Fort Worth, as long as as well as those other guys that we talked about. And then you you need somebody to to rise up out of nowhere, and you've been asking for that all year, and you're starting to get that these last few weeks. Yeah, you know, and, and again, you know, I remember Joey talking about you know prior to when we played Central Florida in Game One, you know, Javon Green, we 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 need him to step up, and he did. We to to beat Central Florida and advance in this tournament. You need a couple guys playing their best basketball of the season. Javon, Caleb, Jameer. Maybe Sorrell gets on a roll a little bit like he was in those in those two games. Maybe it's DJ Patrick gets four threes, five threes in a, in a game. That would be that would I would like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I would like that. And and the the thing is they're capable and they've shown flashes. We just haven't had three, three or four guys do it all in, in a game or for a couple weeks in a row. It's been a little sporadic, which has been one of our challenges. So there's no better time than for it all to come together than this week in Dallas. Bulls and Knights will play on Thursday night at 6 o'clock. We'll preview that game coming up, and then we'll also recap the two games that you did play this week leading up to this American Conference Championship. Brian Gregory Show underway. We'll come back right after this on Bulls Unlimited. More with BG and Jim Lighthall on USF Bulls Unlimited. As the Bulls get ready to take on the UCF Knights rubber match of the three games, the Bulls won the home game early in the year, lost over in Orlando, and now they will meet again uh, for the first time ever in a conference championship. There have been two neutral site games between these two, and if memory serves me correct, one was downtown and then at the Ice Palace, uh, and then the other one was over in what is now Tropicana Field, uh, that's the only t- time these two teams have played in a neutral court, and we'll, uh, and the Bulls haven't lost either one of them, by the way. No pressure on you, Coach, by the way. Um, let's take a look back at the two games that were played this week. We'll start with Sunday's game at Temple. You talked about you just kind of ran out of gas. Uh, you were there in the first half, yeah. uh, but the second half you just had that, thir- I think it was about a 13-minute drought without a made field goal. Yeah, I struggled to, to put the ball in the basket and had some good looks. Uh, and then give them credit, you know, uh, not not a, statistically speaking, a very good three-point shooting team. And the difference was the three. Yeah, they had nine more threes than we did, um, or maybe ten, you know. So uh, just didn't do a good enough job in that second half of finishing the offensive possession with either a made basket or an offensive rebound, which really put a lot of pressure on our defense. And, and again... You know, I, I thought we were a step slow. And when you're a step slow in one possession, you can handle it. But if it's a step slow for an entire half, there's just too many possessions that you're going to give up. And I mentioned this to our guys before the game. You're playing Temple, who within our league, to be honest with you, has the greatest basketball history of any program in our league. Not even close. Not even close. Not even close. They're a proud program. Aaron McKee played at Temple, played for the great Coach Chaney Hall of Famer, worked for Fran Dunphy, one who will be a Hall of Famer, and they just lost by 30 to Houston. 
So th 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 there was a, uh, a pride check a little bit there, and they give them credit. They responded, and I thought we, I, our guys came out understanding that and, and played well and, and did a lot of good things in the, in the first half. Uh, lead got extended a little bit at the end of that first half. Um, and then to start the second half, the first three or four minutes, cut it to seven, feeling pretty good. And then we just, you know, they stepped on the gas and we ran out, which was a bad combination. You know, when you look at uh, the defensive side, they ended up shooting a decent percentage from three, but you held them under 40%, which I'm sure you'll take. But as you've talked about before, it's got to be so demoralizing when you do your job at the defensive end because they had plenty of droughts in the second half, but you just couldn't capitalize at the offensive end. Right. When I looked at the stat sheet, it was amazed that we held them to under 40% yeah. from the field. But the threes is the thing that really, really hurt us. You know, because we have to make six to eight in, in games to, to put us in a position to win. If you look at every game that we've done that, we just didn't shoot the ball well enough to compensate for their ability to knock down the three in this particular game. And like I said, Statistically speaking, they're not a very good three-point shooting team, uh, but they were that day. Sam Hines Jr., the guy we just talked about, finished with his USF high of 12 points, uh, and he was 6 of 9 from the floor, had a, had a real nice shooting day. Again, all pretty much all that coming from mid-range. I love the way he attacked the basket on the first possession of the game, which I thought kind of sent a message, and I thought, you know, this team's here to play because you talk yeah. about toughness when you play Temple, uh, yeah. and, and I thought he threw the first punch. Yeah, and he got punched on that layup, too. I was surprised <laughs> there was no whistle on that one. But that will be for another show as well, Jim. Senior night was Thursday night at the Yingling Center, March the 3rd against Memphis. Uh, wildly entertaining game. They're incredibly talented, uh, and we talked about this before the game. I'm sure Penny hates playing your bunch because you're just a bad matchup for them. And lo and behold, 12 seconds to go in the game, it's a four-point game. Yeah, you know, and, and it was unfortunate. Um, Russell's foul trouble really hurt us in the first half. Really. On, on both ends of the floor, really. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you can talk that, you know, he, he plays four minutes in the first half and plays all 20 in the second. I was not taking him out. He was staying in there. And he goes, gets 13 and 6 in the second half. Um, and what it would have done for us offensively in the first half. But the, the biggest thing was, like you said, there was an impact on the defensive end as well. Duran is a top five pick in the, in, the, in the draft. And he showed it that night why he is. He's very talented, skilled, you know, tremendous at walling up around the basket. But it just put us in a bad rotation in a lot of different ways. And they scored on so many ball screens in the first half. And Russell's the best at guarding the ball screen. So really hurt us in a lot of different ways. At the same time, I thought our guys continued to fight. You know, instead of getting down 12, 15 points, we kept it close, played, you know, did a lot of good things. And then, uh, you know, as you said, it, there was a, a little bit of a run in the second half that they had. But, but we were within striking distance the entire game. To, to your point, Duran finished with 16 points and 10 rebounds. He had 12 and I think six or eight at the half. Right. So that stuff got shut down in the second half when Russ played a lot. Uh, personal question for you, Duran is 18 years old. I didn't look like that at 18. I don't think you did. 
Are you surprised that uh, he looks like a 29-year-old man out there? Yeah, he's physically gifted. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know him. I couldn't even tell you where he was, you know, anything about him. He's a pro right now. Mm -hmm. He acts like it. You know, he was engaged in every aspect of the game. There was no messing around with him. You know what I mean? Is that what lottery picks are like? Yeah, yeah. They're different. You know what I mean? Uh, Jabari Smith at, at Auburn. You know, there's just... They carry themselves different. They're about competing and playing hard, and they're they're not yapping. There's no theatrics going on out there, which drives me nuts. Um, they just they compete, and they they have a, a a job and a mission when they're out there. They know exactly what they're supposed to do, and they go out there and do it. And he did, and he and and like I said, he he ain't talking any. Smack. I mean, he, he plays with a passion, which is important. But it's like I said, it's not theatrical. It's not showboating. It's it's he loves to compete. Uh, they threw a lot of pressure at you. You guys didn't turn the ball over against their pressure in in the backcourt, really. Uh, and I mentioned this to you after the game. Caleb Murphy finished with 11. I don't think it was Caleb's greatest game. He had 11, four, but eight assists. But I said to you, and it really struck me during the game. The stage isn't too big for Caleb Murphy, and when he's playing against guys that are lottery picks, he's not—he's not out of sorts there. He's—he doesn't look overmatched. No, there was uh, 20 NBA scouts at the game, and uh, you know, obviously, you have communication pieces with him afterwards. I mean, they were impressed with his ability to handle the constant pressure, his ability to to get to that mid-range pull-up, make some plays. The eight assists was. Maybe a season high for him. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he distributed well. There, you could tell Memphis had a focus not to let him get that fifteen to twenty point game that he got against them last year. So he did a good job of not forcing stuff. Uh, could, there were some shots that he's capable of making that he didn't make. Um, you know, but the eight assists is, is impressive. You know what I mean? Because uh, when you talk about eleven, now you're you're, you got your hands in 30 of our points, which is, you know, where, where a point guard needs to be. And then uh, the, the last part in this was you just didn't get any easy baskets that night. They only had six turnovers. Uh, those live ball turnovers that you guys, I, you know, you're really trying to push tempo a lot more. You can see that here in the second half of the year. But they just didn't give you many opportunities. No, and then give them credit. That's why they're playing better, you know, because, you know, they were averaging 16 turnovers a game, and they have not done that. They're taking more care of the ball. Lomax is controlling that team a little bit more. But as I said to you before the game, in evaluating it, and then two days later they go out and and beat Houston badly, Um, there's two things that they've been able to do. We talked about one. They have a top five pick in the draft. Okay. The second thing is they are playing their older guys now. And they've shortened the bench. The guys off the bench are not playing extended minutes. They're playing two, three, four minutes to give those guys a rest in each half. But Williams, upperclassman, fifth-year senior. Quinones, a junior. Uh, Lomax, a senior. Harris, a senior. They are playing their older guys, and they're not looking over their shoulder worrying about if there's some young gun is out here and going to take his spot. You know what I mean? 
And so I think they're much more connected now because of that than they were early in the year. You've said this before, but that reinforces it. This league has always been about juniors and seniors. Teams that have impactful juniors and seniors win leagues, in yeah. this league anyway. Yeah, no, and they, I think it's the same everywhere. You know what I mean? Outside of the top five or six teams. But you, you even look at them. They can win games, but they very rarely, best coach that's ever coached, Mike Krzyzewski, they won the ACC this year. It's the first time in how long that they won, since they won the regular season where you got to do it over 18 or 20 games. It just really, it, it's much harder. Uh, and you see Wisconsin wins the Big Ten. You know what I mean? You just see those older teams. And what you got to have is you got to have a good mix of young guys and the top five pick that Memphis has is a pretty good guy to have in the mix. <laughs> 73-64 was the final score that night on senior night at the Yingling Center, and here's the way we called it. Comes back to Williams. He gets into the paint and blocked by Corey Walker, and he recovers the basketball. Corey Walker with another block. How about Corey Walker? That, that is so hard to do, to block the shot and regain possession. That's an incredible athletic play. Bounce pass down low. Mine out with a spin move to the baseline. Blocked again by Corey Walker. Get it out of here, says Corey. Well, Corey Walker has established a no-fly zone down low. Here's left side pass to Chiwa. Drop step, jump hook right hand. Big rust makes it go, and it's a seven-point game. Bulls starting to climb their way back into it, and they're doing it on the defensive end with Corey Walker. The Bulls suddenly have a little bit of pulse. Side to Chiwa, catches, and they rip it out of his hands. He grabs it back. Layup is good. Chiwa. Recovered it quickly, went straight up, and it's a four-point game. Smith, wide open for three. Yes! 33 and a half to go, and the Bulls get the triple they wanted. It's a six-point game. Two possessions. This bunch won't die. Wow. Second attempt. Around the rim and in. 67-59. The Bulls are going to have to run this up quickly. Caleb Murphy behind the back. He's going to get all the way to the basket. Hanging, gliding off the window wow. and in. A lot of contact up by the rim with 22 seconds to go. Bulls are doing everything they possibly can to stay in this game. They've made six straight field goal attempts. Williams will shoot two, and there's the first miss. 67-61 with 19.1 remaining. Second free throw by Williams. That one's good. 68-61, 19.1 left. Pressure in the backcourt by Harris. Here comes Murphy down the near sideline to Sorrell Smith. Rip move, fires a three. Good! 12.8 left. It's 68-64. Memphis is going to have to trigger it in. The Bulls don't have any timeouts remaining. Memphis has one. 12.8 left. It's a four-point game. Wow, Sorrell got a great pass from Caleb Murphy. Let fly, and it went in. Memphis gets it into Harris. They've got him trapped in the backcourt, and there's the foul on USF with 10.7 left. We'll get two free throws. First one, good. Lomax second free throw, good. 70 to 64. Here comes USF. They get, they lose the basketball on the inbounds. Lomax scores and a foul, and that's going to seal the ball right there. Those were the highlights from the Memphis game. When we come back, we'll get you ready for the American Conference Championship. Bulls and UCF in the first game for USF here in Fort Worth. We'll be back after this on The Brian Gregory Show. This is the exclusive home for South Florida basketball, USF Bulls Unlimited. Welcome back to The Brian Gregory Show, third and final segment on this edition. Coach, as you get ready to take on UCF in the American Conference Championships here in Fort Worth, uh, I, I love conference championship week. I, I think, it, to me, is there's 
as much, if not more, drama than the NCAA tournament because, as we talked about earlier, the eight seeds knock off teams that think they're going to go to the tournament, and they never even get the opportunity to go. Uh, there's so many great moments. I'm sure you've been on the, the upside and the downside of plenty of those. Yeah, you know, it, like you said, there's there's you, you coach for as long as I have now. You've seen it all. You know, I remember – you know, my first year as a head coach, making it to the conference championship. We won the, our our side, the East Division of the Atlantic 10, and, you know, we win our first two games in the in the tournament. St. Joe's was number one in the country, got upset uh, by Xavier, who was very, very good, and now we're getting ready to play Xavier in the championship. And to be honest with you, I'm 36 years old, and I think this is just what we're going to do all the time. You know what I mean? Just, just normal, you know? Win the league, play in the league championship. You know, I'm coming from Michigan State. We win the league, we win the national. It's just like, you know. This is called the Derek Jeter theory, by the way. Remember he wins the World Series yeah, his first year? He's yeah. like, this is, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and, and so the one thing you, you learn is you, you cherish those times. You know, you really do. Um, lost some, lost some tough ones, you know. And what's interesting is my last year at Dayton, uh, we make it to the finals again and lose to a really good Richmond team. But to get there, uh, a player that I recruited from my high school that played for me at Dayton gets fouled with two seconds left, down one against Xavier. Uh, now he was not the most physically gifted kid, could really shoot it but just learned how to really play hard and gets an offensive rebound, gets fouled, makes two free throws uh, to, to, to win us the game. And so you always, always remember, always remember that. And, you know, there were some bad ones along the way too, Jim. I can be honest with you. There are some, some gut-wrenching ones where you're up. I've never lost on the last second shot, but lost somewhere, played well enough to win. And the, and the game, as you said, at this time of year, just – slips out of your hand and and they're always more excruciating and painful at this time when that happens well the finality of it all right. like we keep referencing the chattanooga Furman game but for for those kids that will never forget that your season ends boom right, right then right and and then you got to go in the locker room and he and here's one thing too that's even i think it's going to be even the finality of it, the, the, the impact of it, because it's the, the new world of college basketball, one, you got to say goodbye to your seniors, and that's hard. Mm. And two, you got to take a look around and say, okay, wh what happens next with this group in front of me? Three years ago, it was, all right, let's get back to work. We got four juniors coming back, two sophomores coming back, three freshmen. You don't know who's coming back. It's just, it's, you don't know who's going to, it, it, it's crazy. So there's the, the finalization of the season, which is always hard. And then there's the uncertainty of what's going to happen next, which is always even more difficult, maybe. So we're looking forward to Thursday night, 6 o'clock, you take on UCF. Uh, again, there's enough, there's enough hatred and vitriol between these two schools as it is. But now, uh, you know, there's a possibility that one school's, Season ends, you know, on Thursday night at 6 o'clock. The two games between the two teams were so amazingly different, yet they were kind of mirror images of each other. You beat them up at your place. Uh, you shot the three well. You out-rebounded them 53-26. You had 21 offensive rebounds that day. They couldn't make a three. 
Then you go over to Orlando. You can't make a three. Uh, they out-rebound you. Uh, Green and Perry, who played terrible at the Yingling Center, played great in the second meeting. It's, I mean, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah, it was the, the formula for success was the same. Unfortunately, we only figured it out in game one, you know, and they figured it out in game two. Uh, the game is going to be won in transition. They killed us in transition in the second game. A good part of their three-point shots were in transition. They killed us on the glass in game two, and we destroyed them in game one. So it's going to be transition, who owns the glass. Those two go to a lot of the effort, and, the, and, and not that we didn't play hard in game two, but they were quicker to the ball. They came up with the 50-50 balls, the tip-tap rebounds. Uh, we got to make sure that we're the first ones to those uh, on Thursday night. And then the third piece was, and we've talked about this, our inability to guard the play after the play. We did a good job of guarding their initial actions. But then when they get to the spread and the ball screen and the drive, our ability to contain the dribble, our ability to be in the help position without overhelping, because you can't leave Mahan, you can't leave Green, you can't leave Perry. And then if you're getting dribble split, as we call it, they are either hitting a three or they're getting a shot up on the rim. And if they miss it, they get an offensive rebound. So us guarding the ball and, and defending the play after the play is going to be critical. And we have to score in transition. We have to execute well on offense and attack the basket. And we have to offensive rebound. So the keys are the same for either team. It's just who does them the best. So you win at your place. They win at their place. Now you're on a neutral site where, you know, there's not going to be – I'm not naive. There's not going to be a packed arena for a 6 o'clock game on the first night of the tournament. But I do know this, having done this for as long as I've done this, that the crowd will turn for the underdog every single time because the people, the casual fan that's there, they want their team to go as deep as possible, which means they want to see upsets, which means their road becomes easier. You're the 11 seed. They're the 6 seed in this thing, which means if you get rolling a little bit, you should have the building. Yeah, so let's hope Memphis brings a bunch of people, you yeah. know what I mean? And and I'd love the opportunity to play on that on that Friday, you know what I mean? And and with all that being said, you when you get to this time of the year, and this is a challenge. This is a challenge all teams face whether they had good years below standard years that when you get to this point, there better be an inner drive to get the job done. You know what I mean? And if we're waiting around for someone to start cheering for us, that ain't gonna that, that ain't getting the job done, Jim. And and that's a challenge I'm laying out to our guys right now. You know what I mean? That um, we've played our best basketball over these last three and a half four weeks. We haven't always got the tangible results that we wanted, but we have two against two pretty good teams. You know what I mean? So let's go out there. This this game again. There's a little added value to it because who you're playing. And let's not mistake the fact that, you know, for us to take another step in the right direction, that pride of putting on that jersey and who you're playing against has to be part of what we're doing, has to be part of the fiber of our culture in what we're doing. And there will be a test on that on Thursday night. And, and history is full of 
programs in schools that weren't supposed to do what they did over four nights or sometimes five nights uh, and end up hoisting a trophy at the end of the thing. I mean, Georgetown's a perfect example last year of this. Right, right. you know, and, and um, you see it, you've seen it around here, you know, six, seven, eight seeds and, and, and a 10-team league. And so the, the, to do that, you got to win the first night, you know what I mean, and get some momentum going. So that's always the biggest challenge. Uh, but, what, you know, we're, we're going to be ready. We're gonna, the game plan is going to be set, and our guys are going to, I truly believe, will go out there and execute it. All right, and, and you brought it up, not me. Memphis awaits the winner of this game. Uh, that would be Friday night uh, at uh, 8 o'clock. Memphis is 19-9. They've won 10 of 11 there. That's, we'll talk about that at a later time. Uh, Coach, good luck in the game on Thursday night. It's always fun when these two schools get together and obviously a little bit more on the line. I appreciate the time tonight, and, uh, and we'll talk to you next week probably as a season recap unless we're sitting in Dayton or someplace else in between. It, I never thought I'd say this. I'd love to go back to Ohio. <laughs> All right, that's Brian Gregory, and this is The Brian Gregory Show on Bulls Unlimited. Thank you for listening to The Brian Gregory Show. Big fist pump by Brian Gregory. On your exclusive home for men's basketball play-by-play, USF Bulls Unlimited. It's a run out to the other end. One-handed dunk, a monster jam. For the next airing of the show, along with the schedule for all of our live games, replays, classics, and other Bulls programming, go to our Twitter page, at Bulls Unlimited. I mean, does, does it get any better than that?